Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're having a good day, and thanks for letting us be part of your day. Joining us is Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Phil, thanks for joining us. As we speak, we're still waiting for uh, budget information to come out, but uh, when that does happen, that'll give us kind of a, a more of an indication, won't it, a clearer look at the uh, priorities and where this administration plans on uh, allocating dollars and what they feel as their points of emphasis, the top items on their uh, list of uh, priorities. Uh, Exactly, Mike. And this will fit in with what they have proposed uh, last week uh, in this uh, big, uh, call it infrastructure package, American Jobs Plan, about uh, $2.7 billion in total total spending and uh, and, uh, and then to some extent with the uh, stimulus bill that was enacted back in March. So it's going to look rather small compared to, compared to those, but it is, uh, it is important. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll have that out uh, just later this morning. So we have the announcements about infrastructure and also some tax proposals out there. We've talked a lot about that here in recent days. What are you hearing? What's the sense you get about what has a chance to make it through Congress and what doesn't? Well, it all depends on, uh, to a great extent, on one senator, Joe Manchin of uh, West Virginia, and uh, what he will go along with. Uh, He's already said uh, that, that he won't uh, support the 28% corporate tax rate. It's now 21%. The president wants to raise it to 28%. Manchin said that goes too far. He wouldn't uh, go higher than 25%. That's a big part of funding this infrastructure package. Now, keep in mind, the president has another proposal coming in, uh, in the next uh, a few days or weeks. Uh, what they call human infrastructure, uh, a lot of other uh, child care, education, uh, other sorts of spending. And if he's, uh, we expect him to propose some additional tax increases to go with that. And uh, so there's been a lot of uh, discussion. Uh, a lot of farm groups have kind of focused on what tax increases might be in that next plan, because what has been proposed so far is focused on corporate taxes. The next one, uh, we think, could uh, include some uh, tax increases that affect uh, individuals and small business. Remember when we used to hear about if you uh, proposed increases in spending, you needed to offset that with a a cut of spending somewhere else? Uh, Those days seem to be gone. Now it's spend and tax. Yeah, it's definitely gone. I think in part there's a feeling that the public – didn't care that much. Uh, but also, you know, we've gotten used to quite a bit of spending, uh, this uh, deficit spending that's been done over the last year, as you know, trillions of dollars, continuing with the uh, the uh, stimulus package that was uh, enacted back in March. And uh, there's some discussion uh, about, uh, you know, it's going to be on the Hill about whether they should uh, have to pay for all of this uh, infrastructure spending and well there's some of that uh, 
Uh, probably not all of it, but whether some of that might be uh, put on uh, added to the deficit as well. Uh, but uh, we're I, in a different uh, time. Yeah, and I, I, I can't keep coming back to this. I say this a lot. You know, spending programs are very popular when you're receiving checks, but when it comes to time to pay for some of that and it it eventually works its way down to most of us uh then they're not so popular but uh, i guess as long as you're still in the getting the check the receiving end not the paying end they stay popular yeah that's uh, that's true with taxes and tax cuts and <laughs> versus tax increases as well as uh spending increases and spending cuts a lot easier to cut taxes and cut spending than it is to go the other way and right now we're going the other way yeah, it, it'll be interesting. And really, it sets up this dilemma, really, for agriculture. On one hand, pushing for things like infrastructure improvements, but at the same time, trying to hold the line and uh, against uh, these increases in, in some taxes, whether it's the death tax or the corporate tax rate or whatever it may be. Yeah, one of the things we haven't talked about, because it was not in the infrastructure package now, but it still may be in play on the when, we get, when this gets to the Hill, and that's um, there's a lot of interest in you know, ramping up conservation program spending, equip CSP other programs in order to address uh, climate uh, change, in order to uh, help farmers pay for cover crops and other pack and other practices. And that money would get folded into the next farm bill, so you would increase have the effect of increasing funding for the next farm bill, and that's going to be a priority for a lot of folks. We're not talking about that yet. That was not in, not really in the infrastructure package that uh, the president proposed last week. It's not in the. It's probably not going to be in the budget uh, that's coming out today either, uh, because that's a different type of spending. But that's something to really watch for. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in our next segment because then you get to the point where are you trying to attract more and more acres into conservation programs? at a time when farmers are thinking about planting more because of market prices, you create a kind of a, a, a push back there. That's a dynamic that we'll have to watch as well. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, and then, you know, you talk about, I mentioned cover crops. I mean, you're talking a lot of farmers, so that's $30 an acre. Uh, they're just, you know, a lot of, uh, in terms of getting uh, many more farmers to do that, uh, they've got to have an incentive. And, you know, I'm just say that doesn't work without uh, some kind of payment, some kind of support somewhere. Well, the old saying for every action, there's a reaction, right? You're right. Right. <laughs> yeah. These moves are not made in a vacuum. Uh, when you make a move in one direction, it affects another, and uh, then there'll be uh, often pushback, and that's kind of where we are. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Phil, as always, thanks a lot. Appreciate the update. Great. Great to be here. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Well, as I mentioned earlier, the National Association of Conservation Districts is part of a coalition requesting more funding from Congress for conservation programs and technical assistance. We're going to talk about that next with the Government Affairs Manager for the National Association of Conservation Districts. We'll talk with Eric Hansen about how he sees that money would be put to good use, and that helps in this uh, push for uh, climate policies and improving the environment that we're hearing so much about right now. We'll get into that discussion next on AOA. (music) 
Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. Own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to chill. First, keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Use an appliance thermometer to be sure things are cool. Then, chill leftovers and takeout foods within two hours and divide food into shallow containers for fast cooling. And always thaw meat, poultry, and seafood in the fridge, not on the counter, and never overstuff the fridge. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And joining us now is Eric Hansen, Government Affairs Manager for the National Association of Conservation Districts. Eric, thank you for joining us. Your group is part of a coalition requesting more funding from the government for conservation programs and technical assistance. Tell us about the coalition and what you're seeking. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. 
So this is a this is a kind of a normal process we go through every year, but um, a big part of the budget over at the Natural Resource Conservation Service is funded through the annual appropriations, annual spending process um, by Congress. So this this funding for NRCS is funds an account called Conservation Operations, and it funds a lot of the technical assistance that goes on over at the agency. Um, when you walk into a a service center and you say, hey, I'm interested in putting together a conservation plan or um, thinking about what practices might work on, their, on my farm, that's this funding that pays for that interaction. So it's a, it's a really important piece of the puzzle um, over thinking about um, how, we, how we keep conservation on the ground. So we work every year with a, a big coalition of diverse groups um, to make sure that Congress knows how important this funding is. Well, certainly a lot of landowners are aware of the uh, the challenges of getting that technical assistance because of tight budgets, and there's usually more work to do than you have the uh, funding and the manpower to get done. So are you looking more at uh, providing that money for the technical assistance to get done the, the work that's there now, or is it more about expand? plus expanding the programs? You want to expand the, these conservation programs even more? Or which would you rather see the emphasis on? Yeah, so we right now we kind of have two asks. The first one is making sure that we protect that money for financial assistance that's in the Farm Bill. Uh, we're, we're not asking for more money for those programs right now. I mean, I'm sure if um, Congress wanted to give us some, we take it. Um, but we're, we're more concerned with making sure that we keep that money in place. We have that financial assistance available for farmers. Um, but we also have a recognition that it takes a lot of technical assistance. It takes time with staff out walking in your field, um, sitting down in the office and really running the numbers, um, talking to people about what works for their own individual operation to get that conservation on the ground. And that's that funding for that technical assistance is uh, really what we're, we're focused on with this annual spending process. And also, I get, you know, timing is everything, and the, the timing right now is with the push on uh, climate policies and climate programs, and we talk about, you know, more and more things like carbon sequestration and, and those types of things. Uh, that really works right into the, the conservation work that, that you're doing as well. These go hand in hand. Exactly. I mean, but I think the, the debate around climate change and how we should be addressing it is a little unsettled at the moment. There's not a, a clear, a clear choice in terms of what we should be, what we're going to be doing, what we're going to be, how we're going to be asking farmers to be working towards um, climate practices. But we know that whatever we do, whether it's a tax incentives or a carbon bank or something else, it's going to take technical assistance. We're going to need staff there that can help farmers walk through what these new practices are, how that they can get uh, financial incentives for them, how they can participate. Um, and that's regardless of any of the, the actual program that gets put in place, we're gonna need that technical assistance there. Um, and we're gonna need more of it if we're gonna continue to address water quality and all the other uh, soil health, all the other resource concerns that we already are working on. We're talking with Eric Hansen, Government Affairs Manager for the National Association of Conservation Districts. Eric, I think you, you touched on a key point. We hear a lot about uh, opportunities out there with carbon sequestration and possible carbon banks, carbon markets, things like that. But there are a lot of questions that landowners have about uh, what they 
uh, are doing? Does that qualify? What do they need to do? Maybe any changes to make? How do they, uh, you know, get started in something like this? Or how do they, uh, you know, what should they be doing or not be doing? So that gets back to that technical assistance, doesn't it? Exactly. Exactly. I think anytime we start talking about a new resource concern, a new area to be exploring with conservation, there's going to be a lot of work that's needed helping folks understand what's going on, understand the opportunities open to them, and making sure that they can participate. There's a lot of talk about expanding programs like CRP. Uh, that's also raised some questions about at a time when farmers are enjoying some higher prices. Uh, are they thinking about idling land when most of the thought process seems to be about putting more land into production? How do you see that back and forth as we move forward? Yeah, I mean, I think that CRP we know is cyclical, right? There's a, always more interest when prices drop, and there's always less interest when prices are strong. But one of the things that we are really interested in at NACD is the continuous um, part of CRP, the the part of CRP where you can go in and enroll at any time, you're not going to the general sign up. Uh, that, that focuses on not, you know, whole farms. It focuses on individual acres that are perhaps right along a waterway, areas that are exceptionally uh, poor for production that we're able to really make some investments there to improve water quality, improve wildlife habitat. Uh, so those, those kinds of really marginal land that, um, is this really targeted conservation, that's going to be something that producers are always going to be wanting to um, idle because it's not, it doesn't make sense for their farm and it is a, um, a really great opportunity to do some high value conservation work. Yeah, a little more targeted approach with that program. Um, how has the conservation effort uh, nationally been impacted by COVID this past year? It's been a challenge, that's for sure. Um, but I've been just incredibly impressed with the work that our conservation districts, that our NRCS staff have done to try to rise to meet this. Um, we've seen offices have to close. Uh, we haven't been able to get out in the field the same way. There's been restrictions on how many people can be in a vehicle at one time. So whereas you might have a couple staff driving out to the field to meet with a producer, now you can only have one because they can't sit next to each other in a car. We've had um, challenges with for conservation districts with budgets, um, and we you know, anticipate some of that continuing. But our folks have really, they've really risen to it. We've seen strong applications still for conservation programs, but the funding is still getting out the door, conservation is still getting in the ground. So I've been, I've been really impressed with all that folks have done to overcome these challenges. Even in the best of times, there's usually, um a greater demand than there is supply, the supply being the, the technical assistance and the funding that's needed. Uh, is that still the case, you would say? Definitely. Definitely. We are seeing um, dramatically more applications for, say, the Environmental Quality Incentives Program equipped than we have funding available. You know, if there was more money there, we could be able to do a lot more conservation. Uh, but that's kind of the nature of a competitive program. Which kind of brings us back to where we started, right? The request for more funding. Definitely, definitely. And I mean, right now, thinking about that technical assistance money, making sure that farmers are prepared to apply for these programs, that they understand what makes sense for their operation, and that we have the 
all the resources in place, whether that's, you know, that is staff time, but that's also making sure the vehicles are there to go out to the farm, that we have the equipment we need, um, that we're able to, you know, do all the work that needs to be done. Is there a big backlog of projects right now? That's a, I mean, certainly there's a lot more, there's a lot more conservation that could be done than uh, what we, what we're able to do. You know, we don't, we don't see a, we see a backlog for sure, um, but it's a little bit trickier because folks to quantify that because it's a competitive program. So we certainly have had trouble getting contracts written, getting the, the paperwork out the door. That's getting better. NRCS has been able to hire um, considerably more staff in the past year, which we're really appreciative of. But there's still a lot more demand out there for if we had funding available. There's a lot many more practices that are ready to go on the ground if we have the funding available to cost share them uh, than yep. oh, we do at the moment. Always more to do, that's for sure. Eric, thanks a lot. Appreciate the update. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All right. Eric Hansen, Government Affairs Manager for the National Association of Conservation Districts, again, part of a coalition requesting more funding for conservation programs and technical assistance. Well, up next, we're going to take a look at markets, not just look at the market outlook, but also some thoughts on uh, some marketing uh, advice as farmers, yeah, enjoying higher commodity prices, but also dealing with higher input costs. The two kind of just uh, seem to go hand in hand. So how does that figure on the bottom line and in your market plans for this coming year? We're going to talk with Steve Nicholson, Senior Grain and Oilseeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance. That's coming up next right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. It was an active day of trading Thursday ahead of today's USDA reports. The USDA releases their April WASDE and crop production report at 11 a.m. Central Time. Corn led the crop markets with a 20-cent surge yesterday and continues to hold steady. Fresh news was limited to support the corn rally, but traders were obviously positioned ahead of today's USDA numbers, where they expect increased corn exports will reduce the U.S. corn carryout number. 
September. All three wheat classes have surged up out of their recent buy signals and above the Green Line 20-day moving average. Minneapolis wheat has the most power of the three and light corn is near triggering a sell signal. On the Board of Trade, May corn trading a penny higher at 580 and three quarters. The July contract up a penny and a half cent at 563 and a half cent. For soybeans, the May contract trading two cents lower at 1413 and a fraction. The July contract down two cents at 1407 and three quarters. For wheat, Chicago wheat may up five and a fraction at 634. Kansas City wheat may up six and a half cent at 583. Minneapolis spring wheat may up seven and a fraction at 647 and a half cent. The July contract up seven and a half cent at 655 and a fraction. In cash cattle country, it's quiet to start this morning following light trade yesterday and moderate trade on Wednesday. Southern live deals have had a range of $118 to $122. Northern dress business had a range of $192 to $196. While we may see some cleanup today, it looks like a majority of the business is essentially done for the week. April live cattle trading 57 cents lower at 123.57. The June contract down 97 at 124.05. Feeder cattle, the April contract $1.45 lower at 145.67. Lean hogs, the July contract down 22 at 106.57. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Egg Network. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to chill. First, keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Use an appliance thermometer to be sure things are cool. Then, chill leftovers and takeout foods within two hours and divide food into shallow containers for fast cooling. And always thaw meat, poultry, and seafood in the fridge, not on the counter, and never overstuff the fridge. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Let's talk markets with Steve Nicholson, Senior Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance. Steve, good to talk with you again. We've been talking about this market rally since last harvest, and uh, it looks like uh, all indications that, you know, it's, we're going to see strong prices for some time to come yet. But we've also seen quite an increase in input costs as well. That goes with it. How much is that eating into these uh, higher commodity prices farmers have been enjoying? Yeah, Mike. Good morning. Good to talk to you as always. Yeah, I think this is a, an area that we're that we've been looking at, and, and as you know, we just kind of published a quick little article about that here recently uh, with my colleague Al Griffin, and it, that's a concern of ours. We we came into 2021 crop, you know, the 2020 year planting season. Let's put it that way, so we don't get crop years all mixed up. You know, we came into this with high prices, like you said, and we came in pretty, I won't say that all the input costs were fixed, but we had a lot of them fixed, and we did a lot of work up front to make sure 
you know that there was a lot of field work done last fall, and so a lot of you know, a lot of those input costs are fixed. And and we go into the 21 season with good margins, majority of farmers with good margins going into the season. But as we start to look forward, um, and we've seen it already, and you, and you mentioned it. Think about what's happened to cash rents, and I, farmers I know know exactly what I'm talking about. We've seen farmland values go up. Part of that is, you know, just not much farmland on the on the market, but we've still seen farmland values go up, and we've seen fertilizer prices go up. A little bit of a hockey stick move. Now, some of that is, you know, seasonal demand. Uh, some of that is logistics, and some of that is production issues. Of course, that's related really to a year ago, back to, you know, when COVID started, and you know, plants weren't producing, and so all of that. When you look down the road get you to think and worry about this. And if we learned anything from the past commodity boom, you know, the, the, sec, the, the price boom that we're in now and back to the you know, mid-2000s, we know what happens to input costs. As commodity prices rise or yields rise, that, you know, total revenue per acre rises, input costs go right along with it. And, and that's going to be the challenge as we go into 22, 23, and likely 24, that how do we manage those input costs? What do we do um, to move, you know, keep trying to keep those margins, you know, to ourselves if we let's be a little bit possessive from a producer standpoint versus giving those over into input suppliers uh, going forward? So there's some real challenges. Yeah, there, yeah, so as you point out, because many of those prices were locked in coming into this year, we won't feel farmers won't feel the full impact probably till next year and especially when you start uh, getting those uh, cash rents and things like that those rates being negotiated so that all has to be figured in right in those marketing plans especially as we move into 2022 and beyond right exactly and it goes back to the you know the conversation that you and I've had and that bankers have with you know with their customers is Let's understand what those costs of production are because that exactly goes to the point of your question. Then we can decide the marketing plan when we go forward. And it's always, you know, people like high prices and it makes everyone feel good, and, and I get that, but, you know, there are consequences to high prices, and one of them is the higher input costs. But the market is giving us opportunities now as, as a producer to market, you know, not only this year's crop, but looking forward to 22 and potentially 23 you know, to lock in some margins, and granted, we don't know what the crop's going to be, we don't know what my input costs are going to be, but is it? it's an opportunity to lock some things in and take some risk off the table now versus to wait there and think, oh my gosh, the input costs have gone up so much, and, and, and we haven't seen prices go up as much, and, you know, so let's try to be a little bit ahead of, ahead of everything, and I, I'll use the word proactive, it's a word that's over, way overused, but let's be proactive and think about what the opportunities are the market has given us today. That's a good point. We're talking with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. We have learned before that high prices don't solve all problems, right? That high prices right. can cre- create their own set of challenges. But That's as you right. point out, it also gives farmers, producers opportunities. And if they take advantage of those, they can protect themselves. That's right, and and one of the things we talk about is, it, you know, the opportunity that everyone thinks about, oh, it gives me a chance to sell high prices. Yep, that's one of the opportunities, but let's think about some of the other opportunities. You know, one is it gives you some cushion now that you didn't have before. So first and foremost, we know the last seven years that working capital has been dissolved or has at least, you know, contracted. So here's an opportunity to build that working capital up 
so that you don't have to be pay- taking debt out to pay for, you know, day-to-day operations. Build that working capital up. You, I mean, it kind of goes back to my thing about selling ahead. You know, you'll sleep better at night. Your banker will certainly sleep better about it, and so will your spouse. It also gives you an opportunity to look at the business strategically. What What do you want the farm business to look like? Is Are you in the process of liquidating the farm business? And that's okay. Um, you know, and maybe that's a different discussion. But in, you do have an opportunity maybe to liquidate at a better spot. But let's think about succession planning. Let's think about where do we want the business to do? Maybe there's new crops. Maybe there's new businesses we want to attach to the farm business. Here's an opportunity to explore them. Here's an opportunity to invest in them. And because you've got these high prices, it gives you some cushion to do that. And finally, it gives you some opportunity to invest back in the business. Again, it's thinking about what will make your business more efficient. You know, is it precision ag things? Like, um, I, I just lost my train of thought, but, you know, what are some of those tools that you can buy, uh, in, whether it's a new planter, whether it's spraying equipment, that can make your, your business more efficient and use those inputs more efficient? It, or is it, is it in the fintech area? Do you need help in that area? And we also emphasize, just as always, you know, if you're not very good at something, then maybe this is the opportunity to really go out and find someone who is good at it to help you make your business better. And so I, this gives all sorts of opportunities, rather than not just the fact that it's high prices and we can sell at, high, at those high levels. Yeah, and a lot of this is mindset and expectations. Yep. I've had I've had a lot of conversations <laughs> with farmers, and I'm sure you have too. And yep. in that conversation, they say, "Yeah, I sold." Uh, kind of wish maybe I'd have waited a little longer because I could have got more. But on the other hand, when I really step back and look at it, I look at the price I got where, compared to what it was not that long ago. It was at a profit. It was a good price. Uh, I really uh, can't be unhappy about that decision, even though maybe if I'd have waited a little longer, I might have got a little more. So if you have that mindset of uh, you know what you're gaining, not what you're losing, that can, that can help you in that. Absolutely. And it's, it's all about managing the margins. You know, if you can sell, I, I, I hate to use the example, but I will. We had, a, we had a banker who had a real aha moment. He, he found a, a potential customer who had sold, this was after, you know, 12 and 13 high prices. He'd sold three years out like at 510 bushel, at 510 per bushel corn. And, and the banker was like, this is the guy I want in my portfolio. And he was all excited. And he finally got the, you know, all the, the financials and he looked at it and he was so disappointed because the guy's cost of production was four ninety five a bushel. <laughs> and it's like, oh, boy. So we have to remember this is a margin game. What are your costs? I mean, the goal is still be the low-cost producer because then you're able, to, you're able to stick in that business another year. Manage the margin. Get that margin. It'll keep you in business for another year, and that's the goal. We want to be in business next year, not just this year. Yeah, I mean, there's no – sure things and you know 100% guarantees but what you're saying is there is an opportunity here we don't know how long the rally may necessarily last but you have a chance to lock in some good prices that could last beyond the rally that's right and and let's remember and it goes back to your previous question you know this happened almost overnight we were like in the doldrums and all of a sudden we get high prices and you know as well as I know and producers know this market can switch in a heartbeat and we're back to where we were before and and you're going to go oh i should have sold that corn at you know i shouldn't have waited for five dollar corn i should have sold at 475 it's and then you're in that guessing game or second guessing yourself and think oh that was dumb and stupid but you know let's 
let's manage the margins, manage to that cost of production, because that way you can lock in some profits and be here for another year of farming. That's what we want. I've often heard when it comes to marketing, it's best to take the emotion out of your marketing decisions. (laughs) That's easier said than done, isn't it? It is very much easier said than done. Um, You know, I've been on the other side on the buying side, and I know how that emotion runs. But I always, I sort of joke with producers and I say, give that responsibility to your spouse. You know, they don't have the emotion in it. They also are paying bills. And so they see when you need cash. And it's, it's one of the things we talk about in the, in the article is, you know, if, again, back to what, if you're not very good at it, have someone do it. If you're not good at marketing, and I can't tell you the number of farmers that go, I'm just not very good at this and I don't know what to do. Maybe that's your opportunity to go out and look. And now is the opportunity to go out and look for someone who can help you because you know that, you know, everyone's a genius right now because we have high prices and everyone looks good. But we know when prices start to come down and we know that input costs will be sticky with that. So those margins will get contracted. That's when you really need someone that you can bounce ideas off, work with you about what's the best way to preserve that margin in your operation. So there's, there's, you know, lots of ways to skin that cat, but here, Here's an opportunity to really, and it, it kind of goes back to looking at the business strategic. What are what are your core strengths, and evaluate your weaknesses, and try to figure out a way to emphasize or to exaggerate those strengths so that your weaknesses don't become such a big, you know, a big part of the operation that drag it down. So there's there's this is a great opportunity for so many for so many reasons. Yeah, the tendency might be with higher prices to kind of not be yeah. as sharp with your marketing because you, yep. you don't feel yep. that you have to be but it's really an opportunity if, if you are really sharp at this time to really take uh, get some good protection for years to come all right steve good Absolutely. to talk with you good good stuff thanks a lot thanks mike good to talk to you as always take care steve nicholson senior grain and oil seeds analyst for Rabo agrifinance up next an update on the trade dispute between the u.s and mexico over potatoes that's next on aoa Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see 
became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl. But with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. DTN and Progressive Farmer bring producers the best content in agriculture. Each day our editors post unique content to our website, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. DTN and Progressive Farmer provide insights throughout the year to questions like, what is the outlook for corn yields in 2021? Will feed prices surge? What about land prices? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? For more intelligence like this, visit DTNPF.com. How many acres are you keeping an eye on? Another pair of eyes could be very helpful in protecting your ROI, especially ones that are highly trained. And that's what you'll get with an FS Crop Specialist. They can spot issues you might not even know you have using the latest technology, including thermal, drone, and NDVI imaging. Then they can get an early treatment plan started. Contact your local FS Crop Specialist to learn more about our crop scouting services. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. 
Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, as we've said before, even though we have USMCA in place, that doesn't mean we don't have trade issues with Canada and Mexico. There are dairy issues still with, uh, with Canada we're working on and with Mexico. Uh, right now, there are disputes over cucumbers and squash. And as we've said before, with potatoes. And with an update on that, we're joined now by Cam Quarles, CEO of the National Potato Council. Cam, thanks for joining us. Last time we talked, you were bringing us up to date on the dispute with uh, Mexico. Kind of give us a little background again on this and the the very latest on it. Yeah, sure, Mike. Thanks. I'm really glad to be with you. So, um, you know, after years and years of negotiation, this this dispute goes back uh, over two decades. And after years of negotiation between the U.S. government and the Mexican government, the Mexican government eventually, under a, a lot of pressure from the U.S., agreed to open their market to U.S. potatoes. At that time, their domestic potato industry immediately sued their own government. Those cases have been making their way all the way through the Mexican court system. They've, they arrived at the Mexican Supreme Court a couple of years ago. Um, we, uh, the, the cases, they've, they've kind of stagnated at the Supreme Court. Uh, this this Wednesday, we were supposed to finally get a ruling on whether or not these cases could, could go forward. The the really interesting thing, Mike, for for more than just the, the potato industry, is what the what the Mexican potato industry sued their own government on goes vastly further than just the issue of potato access. They're basically alleging that the Mexican version of USDA, USDA's counterparts in Mexico, have no constitutional authority to allow an agricultural import to cross the border. If if the Mexican Supreme Court rules the wrong way against the U.S. interests, that's going to that's gonna create chaos for the, the Mexican economy, obviously flies in the face of USMCA. So we thought we were going to get a ruling here on Wednesday, but that morning, the the Mexican potato industry came out in the press and started screaming at the Mexican president saying, we want you to drop your defense of these cases, essentially throw your hands up. And within just a couple of hours, the Mexican Supreme Court pulled the cases off of their docket for consideration that day. And so I I, I don't know if I know everything about the Mexican legal system, but I, I'm I'm smart enough to know that there may be some politics at play here. So where does it go now? I mean, does this just delay it, or where do you see this puts you right now? Well, you know, ultimately, if you put yourself in the shoes of the Mexican potato industry, they for, for only a couple of weeks before they filed their lawsuits, U.S. potatoes were able to have access to Mexico. And at that time, the U.S. potatoes were selling for about half of what a Mexican potato would in at retail. Um, that is a huge loss for the Mexican. It's essentially it's about six families. They're a cartel that control the Mexican potato production. That's a huge loss for them. So anything other than keeping us out of the marketplace is going to be a massive loss for them. Um, I, I think we've got to assume that this is another in a series of delays that have drugged this thing out 20 years. 
And I'll, I'll give a lot of credit to Secretary Vilsack. He has been very open to keeping the window open that we use the new USMCA, its dispute resolution mechanism, uh, to enforce the U.S. rights in this case. I think we're at the point where we're going to need to make a formal request of, of USDA and USDR to take that that step. Um, and finally, you know, we've effectively we've been on the Mexican home court with their home court referees, and we've been surprised that we're getting bad decisions. I, I, I think we've got to get it at, at least to a neutral site so we can get some some resolution for us. So as it stands today with the delays, are we getting our potatoes into Mexico or not? Mexico allows uh, they th- this was this is kind of their their interest in having things both ways. They they said and there's there's no scientific reason around this. They said that US potatoes can be imported into a very narrow band uh just uh, uh 26 kilometers south of the US Mexico border, which conveniently is where there aren't a lot of people living. Um, so we don't, we're not able to access their big consumer markets, um, but Mexico has, has sort of in tongue-in-cheek said, well, you kind of have access. And so you know, we're, we're moving a few potatoes down there, um, but it's not, it, it's not access to their market. It, it's, it's, it's really kind of a, kind of a Band-Aid that they, they put in place. So you need a final resolution to this, and as you said, maybe get it to a different site. Uh, how long could that take? Any timetable on this? You know, it, um, it, it, it's not going to be a rapid process. I think we're looking at uh, uh, a, a, a year to a couple of years. Um, hmm. But the good part about it is, you know, we've, we've spent over that amount of time just at the Supreme Court level. Forget at the district court level and all the appeals courts oh. levels. So, you know, ha- had we taken this step years ago, We'd be a lot farther down the track, and I, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But I, I think it's just it's moved to that place. It, it's the amount of politics that is is at play here is so evident that I, I, I think it just kind of forces our hand. All right, so we'll stay in touch. Uh, and again, I, I, I want to point out to this this can be a precedent setter. I mean, if if this could be allowed to happen now to ban a product from coming in. It could be something else besides potatoes the next time, right? Absolutely. Any, any, uh, and it's not just U.S. product. It's any foreign product that crosses the border of Mexico could be subject to challenge if they've, if there's a Mexican domestic interest that wants to protect their market. Yeah, huge implications here. Cam, thanks for the update. Appreciate it. Mike, glad to be on with you. Thank you. Take care. Cam Quarles, CEO of the National potato council with that we'll wrap it up for today Um, next time we'll take a look at the the WASDE numbers we'll talk about the the budget numbers and we'll talk about the Philippines opening their market to more pork coming in so we might be able to get more U.S. pork into that market have a great weekend everyone Cenex premium diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines 